Hello and welcome to Baby Banter. I'm your host, Nicole Pates, a paediatric physio, business owner and mum of two beautiful kiddos. Today we are back in the studio for month two with Monique and Helen, two first-time superstar mums who are bravely sharing their motherhood journey with us, asking all the questions that you might be asking yourself, your friends or Google. And well, that Google rabbit hole is deep and scary. So that's what this podcast is for, gathering experts in baby development, sleep, feeding and all the things to answer these questions with accurate evidence-based knowledge. Before we get started, I wanted to introduce you to my online membership, the Baby Play Academy. With over 250 purposeful play ideas from birth to walking, masterclasses on rolling, crawling, walking and baby sign language, bonus extras, webinars from paediatric experts and tummy time and sensory play PDFs, over 150 frequently asked questions at your fingertips and my favourite, on-hand support from my team of physio, OT and speech as well as hundreds of other parents in our online support forum. It is everything you need to play, connect and reduce the anxiety around development in that first year and a half of your baby's life. Come and check it out at www.babyplayacademy.com. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional lands of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place and acknowledge that they never ceded sovereignty. I pay my respect to the elders, both past, present and future. Hey mum, it's time for Baby Vanta. So eyesight is something that I'm quite interested in, especially now that I'm noticing that he is recognizing like more faces mm. and things like that. So mm. I'm quite curious like to know how far babies can actually focus and see because I realize that they'll be able to see light far away, but more that actual focus. And is there like a normal developmental uh, amount of time for their eyes to develop at different like lengths or is that something that isn't really well known? No, it is really well known and okay. they develop their little eyes, like the last sensory system within the development to occur from birth onwards. And yeah. so newborns are born and they're not able to focus and their eyes don't work together. Yes. And, oh, okay. Yeah, I've and, seen him going a bit yeah, cross-eyed every yeah, now and then. I'm like, oh, no, what's wrong with um, that? So that, <laughs> yeah. their eyes starting to work together, which is called binocular vision, starts okay. around six weeks. Yeah. And then that continues to grow and mature. So they're still not very good at it around this time, but mm-hmm. they're starting to get it. But if you tried to r- turn your baby's head at that newborn, the very newborn period, you'd see that their eyes would like lag behind. Yes. Be like, whoa, hang on, what <laughs> happened? Because they haven't coordinated that movement of their head with, with their, their eyes, eyes yet. Yep. And then when they're born as well, they're they're not very good at seeing colour. So they're, 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 they're very good at seeing black and white. There is, they do start to develop early on some warmth detection, so like okay. reds and orange, but mainly red. So that's why they're attracted to contrast in those early days because that's like the dark on the light yes. is really easy for them to see no matter kind of like they're, they're able to focus about, you know, just under a ruler, so sort of probably about around 20 centimetres, maybe a bit. You know, it ch- there's a bit of a range. Helen had a really good point that her midwife said that 
you know, from your face to your breast and that is about the distance. Yeah, so she described it as breastfeeding distance was yeah. what he can see. So if, if like when we had visitors in hospital, if they came, like if they held him or came close, then he could see them or at least make out that there was someone there. But if they were like across the room, it was like, yeah, no chance. Yeah. And they more recognize the voices and sounds. Yeah. Then. Yeah. 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 And they can, they do start to see your face and they do start to respond to your face around that six week mark as well with smiles and recognition. So they can see your face, but they also, they also respond really well to like a white piece of paper with two black dots as eyes drawn <laughs> on it as well and eyebrows and hair. So, I actually had my eyebrows done the other day and he's so much more interested yeah, in my face. Got, <laughs> the contrast of the eyebrows. Yeah. On, on I can the, see yeah. he's not looking at my eyes, he's looking slightly yeah. above. <laughs> I think uh, the alertness and the focus and the smiles would have to have been my highlight of the last couple of weeks is like you know, we're having these multiple little breakfasts that kind of go on and on and on and he wants more and more food but then in between he's much more alert and like looking at me and smiling and we're making funny noises and that's been really really nice and morning time's my favorite time with geo especially after his like bigger sleeps at night time and then you get more of those reactions and that nice time between feeding so good yeah and so yeah their eyes continue to continue to develop all through their development for a long time up until like eight in mm. terms of how or even a little bit longer than that but right now at that sort of two month mark they can kind of see, like if you make a, a 90 degrees out from out from your face, like put like blinkers on, the girls can see what I'm doing, but basically my hands are in line with my eyes. They can kind of Like the track, blinkers on yeah, horses at the racetrack. They can kind track. of track <laughs> yeah. their eyes in that distance. Okay. And by three months they can go like 180, so out to their – they can see their eyes all the way around and use them together for that. Yeah. But they can't – focus close either. So they have a tricky time, what we call converging their eyes early on. So if you bring something close to them, they'll it'll, it'll be tricky. But yeah. by three months, they'll be able to fixate on a bottle if they're feeding on a bottle. Okay. Does that make sense? So yeah, their eyes absolutely. are constantly developing. And around that three-month mark, which we're coming to, next time we'll talk more about three months, is they can see the black and white and the really warm colours. And they're starting to see colour, but it's paler, but those colours are more brighter. So yes. Yeah. So the black and white contrast cards, and you don't have to buy them. You can just make them with a piece of paper yeah. and a black pen. I think we pen. mentioned that yeah, last yeah. episode. Yeah. So all of those can so good. really help stimulate their vision and their visual development. And I guess reading the reading your baby as well, because I've noticed Geo gets a little bit frustrated if he's lying flat in the mornings. So I prop him up a bit because obviously his eyes are getting better. Mm. So he wants to look more around the mm. room. And he's like, why am I staring at the room? This is not fun. (laughs) Unless you have a contrast roof pattern. Yeah, exactly. Or a mobile above them. I actually said that like we were out for dinner on the weekend and he was awake for some of it and next to my friend lying on like a bench seat. And I said, it must just be so strange always just looking up. Mm. Like because the the, the pub had some fake plants in the sideboard. And I was like, is he looking at them or is he just... What they might yeah. what they might see is kind of like a dark shape on a white background. Well, yes. That's why they get attracted to lights because it's bright on a on dark. a darker yeah. background. But they can't actually see that that far, that far. It's fuzzy yeah. for them. Which is interesting. It is, yeah. And I always like have a look where his eyes are tracking and try and work out what the light and dark thing is that he's staring at. It's really interesting. One really easy play idea around this time to help their vision, help them focus and 
you know, it's play because they're using their eyes to explore the environment is if you don't have one of those baby gyms, use your clothes horse and pop your bub under it and use a piece of string to get the four corners of a piece of paper or a paper plate and hook it on like a like a baby gym. So you're creating almost a mobile on your clothes horse and you just draw some contrasting patterns, whether it be spots or checkerboards, and that will help. That's, that's a really nice way that they can play on their back under the play gym. Well, I guess that links into something else that I've kind of wondered about is like lying down on the back versus, you know, I know that one of the child health nurses said make sure there's not too much time in a confinement like in a swaddle or a sleeping bag whatever but then also in terms of you know being able to get something done you know whether it be food or emptying the dishwasher whatever then that how it works with being in the pram versus being in a seat or you know looking at and I'm just looking over your shoulder now because Seb's in a flat bassinet pram and Gio's in his capsule yeah so like Mm. how much time should they actually spend being flat and being able to sprawl out versus being confined, I guess, is what we're both curious about. You'll meet some paediatric physios that are very adamant and strong on no containers. So they don't like anything that contains a baby, like a bouncer or a capsule. I'm of the opinion that variety is the spice of life. And as a mother, our mental well-being is the most important yeah. thing for our baby's development. I don't know, I might get a few DMs about that one. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting. I can't remember why it came up, but one of the ways that I've always had that image in my mind for some time now is, you know, when you're on a plane mm. and they say you have to put your oxygen mask on yourself before yes. someone else. Yeah. It's the same for mental health. It's yeah. all very well and good saying you're worried about other people. And I yeah. think it might have been a, a PL at school and yeah. it was like, you know, we get so worried about our students and our other colleagues and all that. But you actually physically Mm -hmm. cannot look after someone else if you haven't looked after yourself. No. And I think, well, I I used to bouncer. I used to capsule. And it depends on your little one and what you have resources to and access to and different things. We don't Mm. always have all the gadgets. I like to think variety is the spice of life. And if you spend some time in the capsule or if you spend some time in the bouncer or if you spend some time in the carrier that you try and give them some experience that's opposite to that. Yeah, so absolutely. Can they be on their tummy or can they be lying on you flat or can they be on a flat surface or can they be on their side or yeah. what? And and mix it up and variety is spice of life. And the, I think I said last week, or maybe I haven't said this yet, it's kind of like a chicken rotisserie. <laughs> <laughs> All sides of the baby yeah. need a little bit of love. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. It's not, it's not a hard and fast rule when people say they need to do this much amount of tummy time per day. And that can be really stressful if your bub doesn't like tummy time. So it's more more thinking about how can you get little bits of tummy time, little bits of back play, side play, and use your containers for like, you know, so your containers or anything that can contains a baby. So a bouncer or a car capsule or a, as they get bigger, a bumbo or a stander or those types of things. But use them as you need. But yeah, they're not going to help your little one's development, but they will they will help you. They do. They help. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The capsule, might, he loves you it. You might use the car capsule <laughs> yeah. in the pram yeah. to get to the park where you then do this. So, exactly. like, you know, yeah. it's all about moderation and variety rather than a hard and fast rule. If you are using a bouncer or a car capsule, I just encourage all parents to just once a week, like, check out your baby's head shape. Yeah. So it's not making sure there's no head preference and yeah. things like that. But that no will, flat spots come Yeah, out. no flat yeah. spots. But if you're doing lots of variety, it shouldn't anyway. Yeah, cool. Yeah. My husband's quite good because he grabs out the actual pram seat instead of the capsule and he's like whenever we go for a walk together he's always in the pram seat as opposed to the capsule which and the pram seats are so fancy these days that they lie really flat and then the bassinets which is what 
Helen has attached to her pram is different from a pram seat in that it's super flat, so it allows um, full independent control of how they move their head. So, and they're just it's just different things, and you don't always have access to one over the other. Yeah. You've got to use what you have, and variety is the spice of life. Even the baby carrier, does that is that considered a like, oh, well? I don't consider it a container because container, yeah. The benefits of baby carriers on attachment yes. and reading your cues and bonding outweigh. with your baby are significantly outweigh. And you can turn their heads and they stretch out that way as well. Yes. It's kind of like tummy time. Yeah, cool. So I, I don't count it. Perfect. Good Just to know. Just a nice hip shape. Yes. M shape. The M hip shape we yeah. talked about last time. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, with regards to like swimming and baby spa sort of thing, that like hydrotherapy, babies being in water, being able to float and things like that. Is there any developmental positive thing around development with regards to babies being in water? Is it good for their sensory experience and will that help with their development long term? Yeah, there's some fantastic research that's coming out around the benefits of baby swimming on motor development. It does offer a unique sensory experience. So you it doesn't have to be a pool. It can be the bath. Yes. You know, it can be a little a bath that you have at home with your little one in that, you know, they're floating around in the bath. That's that, that, that is a sensory experience in themselves where they're getting water and they're feeling the warm and the cold and the differing air temperature. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things we did really early is bath. We had a bath. We were lucky enough to have a bath. Yes. My sister-in-law, they don't have a bath, so they use the big tubs from Kmart, you know, the big round tubs oh. in the shower and they fill them up and oh, they, yeah. <laughs> as they get older, they sit in there, which is like another little way to have a bath. But yeah. lots of people enroll in baby swimming. You, you can do that, but you can also just take your baby to the pool as yes. well. So there's lots of different ways to get that experience. It's the pool offers a unique place where you are, the gravity is eliminated. So when Bub's in there, it can, it has more ability, like it did in the womb, in the womb yeah. to kind of use their muscles in a different way. And some of the research says it is showing that it has a positive effect on their motor development and not just their motor development, but like their reactions and the way that they're shifting their body weight in response mm. to different movements. Often when we see little ones that are older, so, you know, nine months to 18 months and they might be having a tricky time because of something in their life around crawling or walking, we'll use getting in the pool as a way to open up movement opportunities because it allows that slower weight shift and they can have more control and it, it's a different experience and it's fun. So uh, there's some great yeah. research to support swimming with your little one. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense as well because like we did prenatal aqua classes when we could barely move and we were huge Absolutely. and <laughs> you're like, oh, you know, it takes the And that's how we met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it stops your joints from hurting and yeah, like that really makes sense. It also, I know that a lot of parents go to swimming and with, whether it's in a class or by themselves or in the bath with their little one, they sing songs and they, you know, and it's a really close connected communication experience as well. Yes. So like that's never going to be reported in the research at the moment. They're researching a lot about motor development. But yeah, I think that offers a unique communication perspective. Even over the last few weeks, I've noticed Geo, because we've only been in the water apart from the bath the last couple of weeks, his actual movement in the water has increased dramatically from one week to the next, just him getting used to splashing and things like that. Yep. And like so he cool. will, as he gets older, around that eight weeks, they do develop a little bit more control. Like there's still, there's still some reflexive movement there, but they're like, oh, hang on, something happened and I, I hit that or I splashed and I heard that noise or I felt that. I want to do that again. How did I do that? Let me give it a, oh, no, oh, yep, there it is. And yeah. the, the repetition around that just movement discovery is how they develop their motor pathways and their sensory pathways and yeah. develop their control of movement. And they slowly develop that arm and 
um, hand control. Yep. So you might see your little one's hands around now sort of starting to open. They might still be fisted, but they're starting to open. Yes. And rather than being really tightly Clenched. fisted, yeah. yes, they'll still do that when they're upset or distressed, or but they'll start to, when they're relaxed, really be opening. They might be probably between now and three months, you might see them start to sort of swipe at toys or okay. things that make noise or, or feel different. So that's yes. around, probably not around eight weeks, but around 10 weeks, one of my favourite activities is under your baby gym or under your clothes horse is using balloons. Now, everyone's like, ah, balloons. But if you put them in a <laughs> stocking, okay. they're not going to pop yeah. in the baby's face because mm. it's contained within that stocking. So using something like a balloon where you put some rice mm. in there and you hang it like within sort of baby's reach and they can bump like it. Like a little and it, yeah, <laughs> and boxing it, yeah, gym. Yeah, and <laughs> so it, like, it makes noise and they're like, oh. And so they're like perp- – they're starting to try to purposefully use their body and so they're swiping their arm around randomly but every time that they make that noise and they want to make it again, they refine that. kind of It's early reaching, so batting. So they'll start bringing their hands together and then they'll start sort of bringing their hands up and, and you yeah. know, air punching, yeah. batting. I'm definitely going to try yeah. that. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Whereas the actual reaching and grasping, everyone's like, oh, they're not doing that at eight weeks. That's pretty normal. <laughs> That's more of towards that three to four month mark where they yeah. start reaching forward. You're trying to put things in their hands like, yeah, come on. <laughs> but still, you can help, like you can yeah. help them discover because they don't know that they have arms and what they do and, you know, they don't yeah. know how to move them. So you can help them by, you know, massaging their hands or playing hand games, you know, like round and round the garden and yes. like, you know, around their fingers and opening up their hands and helping them feel different experiences. So, yeah, and they might, you might put something in their hand and they grip and then they let it go. Yes. <laughs> That's why we say lots of light toys around now because they'll usually drop it on their forehead. On their face. <laughs> that doesn't end well. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. We might jump back to your questions about your six-week vaccinations and how you can best prepare your little one and yourself really for that time. So I've got – I'm going to get Amanda on the phone. Amanda Zavino is a child life specialist so she's worked in big hospitals within the United States and within here within Perth, helping little ones prepare for medical procedures or needles and their families to reduce that distress and help help it be a more positive experience for their families. Her Instagram is prepared for care and I will link that at the bottom of our show notes today. So let's give her a bell. Hello. Hi, Amanda. It's Nicole Pates here from Baby Banter. I have Monique and Helen in the studio with me today. And I was just telling them about my expert friend, Amanda, who's a child life specialist who helps families prepare for medical procedures and needles and different things. And they have little boys. So Helen has Seb, who she's feeding at the moment, and Monique has Geo, And they've just had their six weeks vaccinations. And I'm going to let Monique tell a little bit of a story. And we're hoping that you might help us help other mums and parents that are listening to this podcast in maybe better preparing and having some good information for next time. Is that okay? Absolutely. 
fantastic. Yeah. I feel like I should jump in and give what's yes. hopefully a more normal story. Oh, yes, we have to let Helen go with her normal story. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it is. Yeah. We went to the Central Immunisation Clinic in West Perth, which literally that's what they do there. That's, you know, yeah. that's what their entire purpose is. And so mm-hmm. they were really fabulous. They had some bells hanging from the roof to distract Seb every time he got a bit upset. She talked me through about 20 solid minutes worth of this is what we're giving him. This is what's going to happen. These are normal reactions. These are reactions that you can look out for if you're concerned and then did the oral one first then the Mm -hmm. pneumococcal injection in the leg and then the multi everything one in the other leg afterwards and Mm -hmm. yeah so really did not like it getting worse and worse and worse and his last one bled a little bit and then they said look you know this is quite upsetting he'll probably be quite tired and hungry we have a room through here you know go on through do some feeding spend Mm -hmm. as long as you like there's a change table on the wall Make sure you've been here at least 15 minutes and just check in with us if you're worried about anything. One, of, She actually came through and checked whilst I was feeding, like, is everything all good? Has he had any reactions? And, yeah, I hope I hope that's more what it normally is <laughs> Sounds like. Sounds very different to my experience. <laughs> Tell us about yeah. your experience, Monique, with Geo. So I went in, lots of people had told me, oh, the needles are the worst. And I was like, surely they're not that bad. <laughs> went in very naive. So I... Went to my GP. I won't name names. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did get the talk before, like this is what's in the needles and things like that. Then I went through to the child, health, the nurse that was at the clinic. Mm-hmm. They did the oral one first, and then they did both needles at once, mm. one in each leg. Mm-hmm. I think they do that at lots of places. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's better or worse, but I wasn't expecting the reaction. He like screamed the whole room down. Not for a very mm. long time, but I. Someone had told me, put them on the boob after because it settles them. So I did that and then the doctor left the room and the nurse said, oh, some mums don't like hearing this, but I don't think it's a good idea to feed your baby after they've had a traumatic experience because it will set them up for potentially comfort eating when they're older and it can create obesity. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And it's like links their psychological, psychologically they'll eat for comfort pretty much as they get older. It's a black and white statement. Oh my goodness. Should I not be feeding? So I did feed him for a little bit. Then I took him off because I was like, I don't know if this woman's got any like research background or where this comment came from. So So Amanda, that was my experience. Hence we're calling you (laughs) to hopefully have an expert advice around, I guess Monique and Helen were both saying early on that they they didn't really pre- yeah. no, weren't really prepared for that six week vaccinations and being yeah. like it was, but also like what to do afterwards. So, yeah, do you have any Absolutely. advice for us, Amanda? <laughs> I, I do. I am so sorry that was a challenging experience there, and I can assure you that feeding your baby, you can actually feed them as well as after to help them calm down. It's evidence based that breastfeeding and or bottle feeding during the needles can help to reduce the pain for the babies because it combines the sucking motion, which is soothing for them, for skin-to-skin contact, and the sweet taste of the milk. So it's actually an analgesic to use feeding babies during their vaccines, and there's no evidence to show that babies will choke or gag, which is a common misconception and myth that even healthcare professionals may fall, <laughs> fall for that myth. And so it's something that I actually am quite passionate about um, helping to educate parents around because I do find 
that often parents aren't given all the options um, to comfort and soothe their babies during their vaccines, especially the early ones. And so there are a number of options. Breast and bottle feeding are one both during and or after and or before as well. You can also use a sugar water solution called oral sucrose. And that's given usually by a syringe two minutes before the needle that takes the, best, the most effect. And then you can give it again right right before either on a dummy or again by a syringe. And that actually also has an analgesic effect. It's that sweet taste that has that effect. And that works for babies from zero through to 12 months. So that's also a great option. You can get that usually from the chemist. Um, and it's something you can talk to your pharmacist about. Non-nutritive sucking also is a really helpful option. So if your baby takes a dummy, that's a great option. Or the, the feeding is an option. Holding your baby, that's actually really comforting for them. So if you're holding your baby during their needle, they feel that proximity to you. They can smell you, feel you, see you, which is also really great. Yes, something unpleasant is happening, but I've got my person who I feel most comforted by right here with me. So that's something that, while it feels like, you know, you're not able to totally protect your baby from the pain, you're still giving them that comfort and that reassurance just by having, just by being with them and being present with them. And then in terms of helping them calm afterwards, absolutely, feeding is fine. And because you feed them so many other times throughout the day, day in and day out, they're not going to associate this one-off experience with a traumatic experience or with pain because it's such a isolated incident. It's yes. highly unlikely that, that they would build some sort of association in that moment. <laughs> but I can also understand how when a health professional is telling you that you should be concerned about this, parents don't know what to think or who to believe. And even if it doesn't sit right, you're thinking this is somebody that, like you said, might have that research background and have done studies on this. So you're tempted to want to believe them because of their role. And my comments. So it, it can be really tricky. Yeah, yeah didn't. Yeah. I was like, do I? Do I not? Because <laughs> my instinct was yeah. to feed him. And then as soon as I took him off the boob, yeah. he was crying again. And I was pretty, like, poor boy. Yeah. It's a very vulnerable moment. Yeah. Absolutely. That. That's the first time it that is. you've experienced And that. I went home and told my husband and he's like, what? <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, you did not do anything negative for your baby in that moment. And yeah, it's very confusing when you get mixed messages. Yeah. So. That yeah, would definitely I hope that help helps for, a little um, bit to clear things up. Yeah. And for the next round of vaccines, yeah. that's a lot of great advice yeah. there. I'm really interested to look into the yeah. sugar water before as well. I actually remember yeah. during the oral one, it, you know, the nurse said that it tends to be quite sweet and the babies generally take it fine because, yes, we're doing formula and milk combined, but that was the first time Seb had ever had anything that wasn't milk or formula and that just mm. must be the strangest yeah. thing and then you know yeah. the next couple of days he's getting yeah. the baby paracetamol which is different again mm. like he's never had anything a else. lot of and new experiences he's had so many new yeah. things yeah especially their little guts yeah. like getting all those different things yeah. amanda do you have any advice for new parents out there in preparing for vaccinations yeah i think looking into your options and thinking about what feels right for parents because i talked through a number of different options because some will suit some babies and parents and some will suit others. So I think it's good to know your options in terms of what you have available to comfort and soothe your baby um, and, and figure out, just have a think about what's going to work best for 
for you and then talk to your healthcare professional about your plan. It comes time for the vaccines. I think working together to say, you know, I've done some research into this. This is what I understand. This is what I'd like to do. Or we've practiced this position um, because like you said, the needles usually go into the upper thighs. It, it's not at all a problem to have them done at the same time. Sometimes that can help to reduce some of the, the stress it's all over at once, but there's not necessarily strong evidence to say that that's the only way to get to do it sort of thing. And it really depends on the facility because some places only have one nurse available. Mm. So it is going to be one at a time. Mm. So it's really okay either way while giving the nurse access to the leg can be helpful in practicing that ahead of time. Dressing, um, and then dressing for access. Yeah. <laughs> dressing for access also helpful. Absolutely. And then in terms of afterwards, which you also mentioned, there's some research to show that rocking and patting also help to calm the babies afterwards, which again is something that often we instinctually will do as parents to yes. start bouncing oh, and rocking babies. Careful. So that's not oh, surprising. Once. The they same, might expect <laughs> the same nurse oh, said don't bounce out. because <laughs> you can only rock. Are you holding to yeah. to to me to what to do? Here's my baby. I know what oh, to do to comfort him. Oh dear. Oh dear. Anyway. <laughs> that's so helpful. Thank you so much for that information. Oh. And I really like the idea of planning how you would like the vaccine done because I guess I just assumed <laughs> assumptions the worst thing that they would do the best thing for your baby but obviously you do have Maybe some they, instinctual things yes. that you know works mm. for him yeah. Maybe they're doing the best that yeah. they know they are it might not be yeah. the best that research shows but yeah. that's, that's hard and I think yeah. that's what I've I've experienced is often you as especially as a health professional, you have an expectation about how it's going to happen and it's not it doesn't always happen that way. Yes. So having a plan and talking about your plan and prepping. And I think as a new parent, the rush the rush to do things or the this mm-hmm. they sneak up on you. So we have had Miss Claire's vaccination for her her meningococcal B, I think it was, the the extra one that you get that I was meant to get last year and I had a script for or actually twenty twenty one had a script for never filled it, completely forgot great parenting. So we got it done a couple of weeks ago and we've been using some of Amanda's tips on her Instagram, which she'll share with us in a moment around role play because Miss Claire is now mm-hmm. three and she like, we forgot completely about the doctor's appointment. So the alarm went off 15 minutes before and we're like, oh, get in the car. So you know, it's been <laughs> run. Like, run. And she waltzed in there and she's like sat up at the doctor's chair and she's like, here's my arm for my needle. And she was like <laughs> super so confident nice. and brave, which was great. But we were just like, ah rushing but we'd done heaps of prep work we did before. the prep yeah, yeah. so anyway yeah. so amanda where can we find you if we have questions about preparing for procedures or care or vaccinations and how that we can best support our little ones absolutely so i'm on instagram as prepared for care and i would love for anybody who feel comfortable sending me a message anytime you're welcome to comment with questions on any of the posts there's quite a few posts on different ways to prepare kids for lots of different procedures, but Mm -hmm. I always welcome uh, messages in my inbox as well so that I can help parents to navigate whatever unique experiences that their kids are having. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. And yeah, we'll we'll probably call on you in future, I'm sure. Absolutely. As those next needles approach, I'm like, what were those tips? (laughs) (laughs) Or if anything else crops up. But yeah, so thank you so much for today, Amanda. I really appreciate your time. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. That's okay. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda.
If you've reached this point in the podcast, you have come to the end of month two with our questions with Monique and Helen. It is really brave and vulnerable to sit here in the studio and chat about the highs and the lows of the last few months. I appreciate you guys so much because I know that your experiences and your questions will help. And you can find me on Instagram as Nicole underscore Kids Physio. And I think that Monique has a Perth baby Instagram oh, event, do. like what's on in Perth for babies, which I found really interesting because there's oh, some good. different things. <laughs> yeah, baby life Perth. Yeah. Um, it's just something that I've started while I've um, she's started being a mum because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> These two are both saying that they'll help me with things like because they have nothing to do. I was like, oh, this is the sweet spot where you feel like you've got it. <laughs> it's more of a catalogue for myself because I've come yeah. across things and I'm like, if I don't save these all in one spot, yeah. then I'll forget where did I see that? So I just post them there. But so thank you guys so much for coming on today. Do you have any last thoughts or funny stories or anything that you'd like to share with the guys from your second month as a, as a first time mum? I think one of the things for me is finding how many new things, like something that might seem obvious that you have no memory of learning, but for him it's new like you said before about going outside and feeling wind or seeing leaves move and it's like of course they move that's what happens outside but you know if you've literally never experienced that before then it's something new and like even one of my colleagues at school has got a like toddler play Instagram and I look at the things that are coming up you know maybe a year from now and you know she's putting things that are frozen in to a tray of water and it melts and changes colors and whatever I'm like it's just so wild that that's, that's coming and that's going to be a brand new thing that's never been experienced before. Mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. Seeing the, the wonders of the world through your child's mm. eyes is like the epitome of parenting for me. Yeah, yeah. it's the best. Yeah, yeah. it's because you just realise how like they're just like this blank slate mm. of like a sponge to absorb mm. everything, but they have their own personality and twist yeah. Twist to it. So and they. I thought I was always so in tune with like nature and things like that, but having a baby, you really go back to, wow, this is a brand new experience and having those talks with your baby, like, wow, look at the birds, look at the clouds, look at the grass, look at feeling things, all you the are crunchy things. I love it. Our would love <laughs> a narrator of life, a, sports, <laughs> a sports commentator of life, which our speeches love because they're adding that language in, but not all parents feel feel like they want to narrate and it can feel a bit silly. So It does feel funny, but it's like, oh, you know, that's your left. Are you looking over your left shoulder? I'm on your right. Can you see me? I'm on your right. Like, I know this stuff's going to be important, but gosh, it and feels so weird right now. I can't now. wait for you to be speaking and reading and writing. And, no. and then here I am in the car going, please stop. Talk. No, no they're, they're wonderful. They so are amazing. They are. Thank you guys for coming in today. Thank you. I know that it, it's a big effort with a two month old to get into a recording studio and chat with me and Seb has been doing active all of the, the one entire he's session. been very active and he's beautiful and the yeah the newborn smell and there he is he's saying bye guys <laughs> so thank you so much for coming in today we'll sign off and if you have any questions guys you know where to find us on Instagram Nicole underscore kid physio thank you Nicole so bye. grateful to be here oh, so right. good love it I wanted to introduce you to my online membership the baby play academy with over 250 purposeful play ideas from birth to walking, masterclasses on rolling, crawling, walking and baby sign language, bonus extras, webinars from paediatric experts and tummy time and sensory play PDFs, 
over 150 frequently asked questions at your fingertips and my favourite, on-hand support from my team of physio, OT and speech as well as hundreds of other parents in our online support forum. It is everything you need to play, connect and reduce the anxiety around development in that first year and a half of your baby's life. Come and check it out at www.babyplayacademy.com. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional lands of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place and acknowledge that they never ceded sovereignty. I pay my respect to the elders, both past, present and future. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Baby Banter. If you've enjoyed it, or if you have more questions, let's continue the conversation over on my Instagram, Nicole underscore Kids Physio. You can also check out NicoleKidsPhysio.com for lots of goodness, as well as the freebies mentioned today. Do you know a new parent or have a family member with questions? I would love it if you could share this podcast with them. Don't forget to leave a rating and review, and I'll see you next time on Baby Banter. Hey, mum, it's time for Baby Banter.